Hello and welcome to the show that wants to tattoo. He's not a left back. He's been playing left wing for months on its forehead. On today's show, Derby County, Derby County themselves out of the playoffs with a spectacularly Derby County late season performance against Burton in the Derby. What's happened? We thought that the Milton Keynes Dons had turned a corner, but it might just have been a roundabout. Totally Football League show debutant Simon Watts saw them lose to Doncaster, and he'll tell us all about it. And the chocolate thick shakes were left on ice at Accrington Stanley this weekend. All they had to do was beat Exeter and they could have sealed an incredible promotion. What went wrong? We'll have all the usual stuff. Joe Crelly's back. The fan league's on. The nipple-tingling music is locked and loaded. It's time for the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Hello, Simon Watts. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, people will know your voice if they're Football League fans, won't they? Where will they know it from? Yeah, uh, I do bits and pieces all over, but I call myself a lower league anorak, basically. But a bit of Soccer Saturday reporting, a bit of the Channel 5 voiceover stuff, and anything really that I can uh, use my mastermind knowledge of the lower leagues that is pretty useless in my house and anywhere else to, uh, to the best <laughs> effect, really. Excellent stuff. So you basically trawl up and down the motorways watching Football League games. Yeah, absolutely. And I love it. Absolutely. And I'm an Oxford United supporter as as well, Get so I've kind of grown of up. Yeah, sorry, but, oh, we needed it on Saturday, mind you. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, the football league, the EFL over over uh, the top flight any day for me, really. This Oxford United thing, people who cover the football league who support Oxford is getting out of control. It's like people who support Tottenham or West Ham and, and cover the Premier League for the national press. We will be keeping an eye on it, and we'll be keeping an eye on Matt Stanger, as we were on Sunday at the EFL Awards. We had a green eye, didn't we? Yeah, it was all right. That we were very well behaved, I thought. We were. We, we left early. We didn't stay till half past two and uh, try and cop off with a footballer. <laughs> I didn't realise that was a possibility, but with you, anything is. It was nice, though, wasn't it? I was a bit a bit surprised that Sessegnon won senior player. Uh, no, no complaints about all the other awards that he won, but I thought Ruben Neves got robbed there. Yeah, Neves might feel like he missed out. I, uh, I text my Wolves supporting friend, actually, to say uh, that Neves was there and he didn't pick up any gongs. And he said, oh, I can't believe they've even made him go to that award ceremony. It's an insult he's playing in the championship. <laughs> so I think he's looking forward to seeing him in a top flight next season. Um, yeah, it's that's the, the only sad thing about this. You know, I, ne- I never really thought that we were going to face this, but I've had so much fun watching Wolves because outside of everything, they're a really good football team. And now we, we lose them. We lose them to the Totally Show. But we get West Brom. <sighs> right, Simon, before we go any further on the show, uh, serious business, we do actually have an apology to make. Uh, last week, we covered the final of the Checker Trade Trophy, and like most people, we were quite surprised at how poor Shrewsbury were. So we, you know, we opened with that. And then we talked about Lincoln, but mostly we talked about the Cowley brothers and their style of play that I still maintain is tactically brilliant, but is like, it's a bit more cynical than most people realise. And then we went back to Shrewsbury. And then sometime after the show, we managed to get Matt Sadler of Shrewsbury on the line. And we stuck that in the pod as well. All of which gave us a very, very Shrewsbury-centric coverage of a game that Lincoln actually won. Uh, Lincoln fans like Johnny Ricketts were in touch with us. He said, uh, you move on from barely giving us a well done in the final to saying Cowley's not what the fans want. Yeah, fans hate winning games, winning leagues, getting to playoffs, being the first non-league team in 100 years to reach the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Lincoln's average attendance pre-Cowley was 2,700. Now games sell out a week before kickoff. And if I wasn't irritated enough, you get on a Grimsby fan to chat about Grimsby winning a game who then refers to Lincoln players as robots. We messed up. 
And uh, I, I am sorry, we should have spent more time congratulating Lincoln. It was a, a fantastic victory for a club that's come a long way and, and we didn't do it well enough. So around the room, Matt Stanger. I'm sorry. Uh, producer Tyre. I'm sorry. Simon, you weren't there, but you're now part of the team. But on behalf of everybody on the Totally Football League show... I apologise. Okay, we we will do better. We can do better. We will do better. Uh, in order to make it up to you, Lincoln fans, we'll go big on your last league game. Uh, let's see. Here it is. Port Vale one. Li- oh, oh no. Performance of the week. Then uh, Matt Stanger. Who did you go for? I went for Scunthorpe's win at Charlton to leapfrog the Addicts and get into a, the playoffs. It was a good win, a really important win. I think you did deserve more than 9% of the vote, uh, which is what you got. Joe Crilly from William Hill, who did you go for? Of a 10-man Rochdale away against Peterborough to continue their great escape or potential great escape. Again, a very important game, uh, just 13%. Uh, producer Tayo, who did you go for? Who doesn't love a, a sixth-minute injury time penalty? I went for... AFC Wimbledon beating Warsaw in the relegation battle. And again, on any other week, that would probably be a strong contender, but just 25%, because 53% went with Burton for their um, 3-1 win over Derby County. Uh, Absolutely astonishing result. I don't think we can complain too much about that. If you want to play Performance of the Week next week, all you've got to do is just keep an eye on our Twitter feed. It's at The Totally Show, and you see the contenders come out early on Monday morning when we've all fought over who we're going to take. Championship Roundup. Wolverhampton Wanderers are up and they didn't even need to kick a ball. Fulham's failure to beat Brentford confirmed their promotion before they'd even beaten Birmingham 2-0 on the Sunday. And we suspect the celebration started on the bus down to London for the EFL Awards, if you know what I mean. Will Aston Villa join them? Well, they're still in with a shout of second and a 1-0 win over Leeds United. Remember when they were flying in this division? Keeps them just four points off Cardiff. Sheffield United thought they'd clawed their way back into the playoffs on Saturday when they took a 1-0 lead over Millwall. But within 90 seconds, Millwall had responded as Millwall tend to do so these days. It finished 1-0 and the Lions are still in that last playoff place. There was plenty of drama in the last 10 minutes at Barnsley as Bolton overturned the Tykes' lead with a quick-fire double before Ollie McBurney scored the eighth goal of his loan spell to rescue a 2-2 draw for the hosts. That allowed Burton to close the gap and they seized the opportunity with a 3-1 win over a Derby side who have dropped from 2nd to 7th with two wins in 12 matches. Meanwhile, Fulham's hopes of automatic promotion took a blow as Neil Morpé snatched a late 1-1 draw for Brentford at Craven Cottage. Oh, Sunderland. You led Leeds and came away with a draw. You led Norwich when I had money on you and you came away with a draw. You led Reading when I'd done a little fan league video saying you'd win and came away with a draw. Draws are no good. Could be out of this by now, but you're not. You're bottom. Preston haven't given up on the playoffs yet. Alex Neal's side beat QPR 2-1 at Loftus Road. That's back-to-back wins now and they're only three points off Millwall. Ipswich Town supporters must have been drafting their triumphant See, we told you so! Tweets as they took their 1-0 lead into the last minute of their trip to Nottingham Forest But they lost 2-1 Forest are one win away from safety Only Hull could win back-to-back matches 4-0 and 5-0 Before losing 1-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday But the Tigers should still be safe ahead of a tricky running It's in Middlesbrough's hands to claim a playoff spot After they came from behind to beat a Bristol City side That had been running on fumes since January while Cardiff's 2-0 win at Norwich was largely against the run of play, but try asking Neil Warnock if he cares, as the Bluebirds remain in second. Well, 
Burton, performance of the week. Um, so rather than getting completely consumed by how Derby were, we'll save that bit till later. Please, Simon Watts, love for Burton. Yeah, well, first home victory since September. And I think if Burton were to stay in the division this year, really, it had to be built on a strong home record. And that has been what's really let them down this time. But so many connections between the two clubs with the two managers having managed either side. And before the show, I think we were working out three or four players in the the Burton ranks with those Derby connections as well. But uh, I just, as great a win as it it was for Burton, I think it does really highlight how badly Derby's form has nosedived in the second second half of the season. But Burton was so up for it, which is extraordinary because it's been a long, hard season, as you would expect for a club of their size and a division this this moneyed. Um, but they, they looked like they were the ones chasing for the playoffs, snapping into tackles. The press was so high. Nigel Clough's done a hell of a job there, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, absolutely. And I think even if they do go down this season, the sort of players he builds in and around that squad, they'd be good to challenge to come straight back up in the same way that Wigan uh, and Bladburn Rovers have done this season as well. But I mean, they they, they never really get dubbed by anyone do they they always put in a decent fight and, and you know I don't think it's a lack in, in spirit or uh, or fight amongst the team it is just purely and simply down to the fact that you know they are dealing with the lowest budget in the division and as such you know they're, they're always going to be in for a bit of a relegation scrap really but that victory uh, certainly keeps them you know in with a albeit a, a long shot but a decent shout staying in, in the league potentially Matt, it's um, it, it's quite a, a team of veterans, isn't it? I think the um, the back five alone, the average age is about 31, 32. Um, but then there's Jacob Davenport, who looks like someone's brought their kid along um, in comparison to the age of all the other players. Uh, on loan from Manchester City, he's he's learned a lot this year, hasn't he? He's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. We, we, uh, we've spoken about Davenport before and uh, him and Joe Sparrow, the uh, two 19-year-olds in that team who Nigel Clough reserved uh, special praise for them after the game and Davenport, lovely player, loves to get on the ball at the base of midfield and, and move it around. And he, he reminds me a bit of Ryan Woods at Brentford. He uh, He's not afraid of putting in a challenge when required as well and definitely looks like someone who should probably return to a championship in another loan spell next season. Now, Burton are five points off Joe Crilly's Bolton Wanderers. Um, there are only three games left. It's a tall order, but could you see him doing it? Absolutely. They've got Sunderland away and I think whoever wins that one will uh, still be in with a chance and whoever loses is going to go down. And then they've got Bolton at home, which is uh, another very winnable game. So I think uh, given that performance, there's a, a very good chance that they could still be fighting come the last day of the season. Uh, Joe Crilly of uh, William Hill and Bolton Wanderers supporting fame. Um, a tense game against Barnsley. You had a win from there and, and you'd have been, you know, looking quite pretty, but you didn't. You drew two all. Are you getting nervous about Burton? Not by Burton uh, as such. Um, <laughs> but by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but well, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I sadly wasn't able to make the game. I was, I was glued to uh, Soccer Saturday uh, watching the, the scores come in. Uh, and I'm also uh, on a Bolton Wanderers supporters uh, WhatsApp group. Uh, and I was watching all of the things coming through. Apparently we were absolutely terrible first half. Uh, second half comes we were absolutely terrible but we had five minutes where we turned it around in fact two of the guys had left before Bolton had uh, had scored uh, and were taking pictures of Barnsley City Centre uh, oh, and sending them to the WhatsApp group has Bolton scored um, but they are the team that I'm worried about but on 
Sunday, I was cheering every Wolves goal that went in like a, <laughs> like it was an extra point because, of course, the goal difference is so tight between ourselves and Birmingham as well. It's going to be very tight. Burton have given themselves a, a great chance. Uh, Richard Cusack from the Burton Mail uh, says the great escape is back on. So no shortage of belief. However, we've ignored the elephant in the room for long enough, Simon. Mm. Derby County, sweet Jesus. They were so bad. Oh. So many mistakes. It is like Groundhog Days. It's the recurring every year. It doesn't matter who the manager is. It doesn't matter how much they spend. And they always back their managers at Derby County. They've tried all sorts, haven't they? Even bringing in people like Harry Redknapp as a consultant and things like that. And it just never seems to work for them. It's like there is a curse. And I wonder whether it's a psychological thing. I mean, they have had injuries this year. You go back to the Cardiff game and and how much was made of that postponement a couple of months ago as well. But uh, I think it was quite telling listening to some of the comments of Gary Rowett after the game where he really laid into his players. And you get the feeling that 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 was festering and it was waiting to come. And and that opportunity to to really stick the knife in on his players came after the the defeat against his old club. He's not the only one who's uh, given them a kicking. Stuart Faulkner on Twitter says, negative football, too many old players, questionable whether the squad actually want promotion, toxic atmosphere. It's all gone downhill since a woeful January transfer window. Same old annual collapse if you're a Rams fan. Uh, Stair35 says you can't set your team up to play counter-attacking football all season and then expect them to dominate games against lower-placed opposition. Rowett has built the perfect team for tough away games, but not one that can dominate or demand the ball. Our team is perfect, counter on mistakes um, from better technical opposition, but when we face teams that allow us the ball, we don't have the personnel or know how to break them down. Um, Matt, any arguments with any of that? I'm not sure if there's anything perfect about Derby County at the moment, considering their, their current run of form, but... Uh, you know how we love a stat, Ian, and Simon said earlier that uh, it was Burton's third home win of the season and first since September. Well, going into this game, Derby actually had the third best away record in the division as well. Oh. And so you really would have expected them to deliver a better performance. But a lot of it did come down to those individual errors for each goal. And I thought the third one summed up the game perfectly because there was a couple of hoof clearances. Ben Turner was allowed free header on two occasions in the middle of the park to get it back into the box. Huddleston takes a poor touch allowing Burton to, to deliver it and uh, then the defence failed to react and Aiken scores the, the third goal that wraps it up and Derby just all over the pitch really looked like they did lack hunger, a bit of drive and Rowett said afterwards uh, that was the key factor in this game. It wasn't really about how he was set up or anything, it was just the application and he said he didn't like to have to say things like this but he went to the dressing room afterwards and he said, are you prepared to give enough to get into the playoffs because it's looking a bit like 14-15 all over again when uh, they were first with 12 games to go, dropped out of the playoff picture completely with only two wins in the last 12 matches and, and that's the exact same form they're under right now having dropped from second to seventh. You look at some of the teams who are in the chase with your Bristol Cities, your Millwalls and Sheffield United and go through those squads and you've got players there who've never had the chance to play in the Premier League, never had the opportunity uh, to represent themselves in the top flight. And then you look through the Derby squad and you've got your likes of, of Huddleston and Nugent and, you know, obviously great pros are great experience, but they've been there and done it. And you just wonder whether that desire uh, from the manager's perspectives as well, I know Gary Rout's not been there himself, but uh, from the playing side of things, whether that desire to, to have that opportunity to play there is, is just a greater with some of those other clubs. I think that's part of it, isn't it? It's, it's the fact that he's brought in this experience and you expected that to get them over the line, but older heads sometimes equal slower legs and they definitely lack pace and they've lacked pace in quite a few of the games that they've played recently. And then it is about the attitude, you think, as well. I mean, they've got Tom Lawrence, who's an incredibly gifted footballer, but he reminds me a bit of Nick Powell at Wigan, both former Manchester United youngsters, and both sometimes don't deliver to the standards that, that they, they should be setting for themselves. 
Well, uh, there is one other theory, and that's put forward by Alistair Bond on Twitter. Um, he says, I think Derby are just a wonderfully empathetic team. Every year they have the opportunity to rub hapless Nottingham Forest nose in the dirt, and every year, with an admirable generosity of spirit, they instead choose to amuse and delight their more illustrious neighbours. Uh, maybe there's something in that. Joe Crilly from William Hill is back in the studio. We, we replaced you with a Joe Crilly stunt double. Um, how are you, Joe? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I, w- I was away last week, actually, at um, Everton's training ground, uh, doing a few bits and pieces with mm. them uh, for some stuff for for work that you'll probably be able to see over on our uh, social channels. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Nice plug. Um, tell me, first of all, about Derby and promotion. Um, the odds must have taken a bit of a hit over the weekend. Yeah, and they've been taking a hit every single week um, for the last two or three months. They, they haven't been great, have they? Um, and uh, a side that were once odds on at uh, one to two to get promoted are now thirteen to two Oof. for promotion, and uh, and and they're odds against to even make the playoffs now. Oh, let's look at the other end of the table because Sunderland. I mean, they're six points adrift. There's only three games left. And yeah, they're not getting out, are they? No. Well. You made mention of the fact that if they'd have kept the lead in all three of those games, they'd be on 40 points and they would be level with Bolton and Birmingham and that would uh, make their odds a hell of a lot better than the uh, 1 to 100 that they are to go down. (laughs) And uh, everyone else? Yeah, but um, despite that fantastic win at the weekend, our uh, 1 to 33 to go down, uh, so around about 10 to 1, 12 to 1 uh, to stay in the division. So still looking like an uphill task for them, but it's incredibly close between Barnsley, Bolton and Birmingham. With Birmingham, uh, despite the fact that they slipped down to, uh, to that place just above the relegation zone, 21st place. Uh, they are 7-4 to four with Bolton and Barnsley both 5-4. to four. So if you look at the odds, it looks like a, a head-to-head between Barnsley and Bolton, but Birmingham is certainly not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. All right, we've got another competition for you and thank you to the EFL and EA Sports for this one. We've got tickets to Sheffield Wednesday Reading. I think that could be a really good game. Two tickets, Sheffield Wednesday Reading and it's this weekend, so you've got to be quick with this. All you've got to do is tweet or Facebook, I live Listen to the Totally Football League show because... And then insert something in there. Um, Remember to tag us at the end. At the end, not the beginning. If you tag us at the beginning, that's just a message. Tag us at the end so everyone can see it and that we can see it. I listen to the Totally Football League show because tag us and the one that makes us laugh the most is the one who will get two tickets to Sheffield Wednesday. There are terms and conditions on our site. Follow the links for those. In the meantime, good luck. When we come back, Fan League. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Welcome back. Time to play the Fan League. It's on the App Store. You've probably been playing it all season. You just search for Fan League, you get a slip of 13 games and you just predict home win away win or draw it really is that easy unless you do something like I did and you back Sunderland I really really hate them now um, the slip this week usually there's only about four or five championship games on but there's loads this week for some reason so looking ahead to this weekend uh, Simon Birmingham Sheffield United 
I think Sheffield United have maybe blown their opportunity with that draw at the weekend against Millwall. So I'm going to say Birmingham need the points more at a 2-0 victory for Birmingham. Yeah, I'll go with imperative home win for me, Matt. I'm going to go for home win as well. I go unanimity. Unanim- we all think the same. Brentford QPR. I'm going home win here as well. I thought Brentford were brilliant on Saturday. Uh, yeah, they were, and they're in great form at the minute as well, looking quite tight at the back. Yeah, I'm going to go Brentford home win. They're in brilliant form, and they've got three games that they could win to maybe sneak that playoff place they've been chasing right to death. So I'm going for Brentford win as well. Yeah, like that. Uh, Bristol City against Hull. Poor, tired Bristol City, Simon. Yeah, and you know, Hull have started to show uh, finally a little bit of form that we expected earlier in the season. So I'm going to go for a draw in this one because Bristol City looks uh, look as though their legs are tiring. Matt? How did Brist- how, was- how did Hull win 4-0 and then 5-0 and then lose 1-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday? I know that Sheffield Wednesday have got a, a bit of form back together recently, but I just think that's amazing. I'm, I'm going to go for Hull winning this one, though. Yeah, likewise. Wow, we're all sticking to a script here. Um, Derby, Middlesbrough, I suspect we're all going to go the same way here. I can't see Derby. Derby would have to like triple their level of performance to get anything out of this. I'm going Middlesbrough away win. The idea of Derby players chasing after a Dharma Traore is uh, <laughs> quite entertaining, so I'm going to go for Borough for this one. Uh, you know, uh, out of sympathy to Derby County more than anything, and Middlesbrough have been a little bit inconsistent here and there over the last month or two. I'm, I'm going to go for a draw just to be different. Okay, Uh, (laughs) Ipswich, Aston Villa, Aston Villa finding their feet again finally might be too late for them. Ipswich, I can see, um, yeah, if they'd won on Saturday, then maybe they could have had some weird kind of burst towards the end of the season. But uh, I can only see Aston Villa here. I'm going to go for a draw in this one. Mm. Interesting that Villa drew with Norwich the other week as well and uh, they've won their last couple of home games there, haven't they? Uh, uh, I'm still going to stick with a Villa victory, I think. Leeds-Barnsley, the Paul Heckingbottom derby, uh, just one win in nine for Leeds, Matt. It's really not working out. They're just struggling towards the summer, aren't they? And they just want to get there let Heckingbottom bring in some of his own players and then see what they can do next season but yeah it's been terrible so far for him and uh, you could see Barnsley perhaps making it even worse so I'm going to go for an away win in this one I'm going draw Simon yeah I wonder where the Heckingbottom the way results are going might even make it to the the, the start of next season uh, given Leeds history but uh, yeah I'll probably go for a draw in this one but I think that Barnsley have got as, as good a chance as any particularly given they're up against their old manager all right, Sheffield Wednesday, Reading. Remember, you can win two tickets for that. All you've got to do is just tweet or Facebook while you listen to the show. We've done it before. Do it again. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, Reading. I think home win. Entertaining 4-4 draw for our competition winner. <laughs> uh, four wins and six for Sheffield Wednesday. They seem to be getting it together. They do. Those owls' wings are flapping. Nice. All right, <laughs> Simon. Atty Newhu is probably becoming one of my favourite championship players at the minute because he's an absolute big lump, but he's got some real quality about him. Scored a great goal the other week. Can't remember his against when he ran it from the corner flag and scored. So, uh, yeah, I think this will be quite a convincing Wednesday win given the form they're in. All right, Sunderland, Burton. No, away win. I'm done with Sunderland now. Three games they've had, three games in which they've led and they've drawn them all. They could be out of it. Away win as well. Uh, given the fact that they have drawn those matches, and I thought, you know, they've, they've looked a little bit better marginally in the last couple of games. I'm going to go for a draw in this one. Ooh, OK, final game. Uh, Cardiff, Nottingham Forest. I think this is an absolute banker home win. Cardiff, they, they, they wobble, but they don't fall down. It has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, great win at Norwich at the weekend. Norwich had to play pretty well in that game from, from what I've seen. And uh, 
I think Cardiff will win and go on to secure that, that automatic spot. Simon, yeah, hardest I... team in the division against a team with nothing to play for. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact before the weekend, Forest haven't scored in six games, so goals are a struggle to come by against one of the best defences. So only a home win for Cardiff there. All right, that's a fan league. Uh, find it on the App Store under Fan League. Now it's time for League One. One roundup, and there's so much to play for. There's no room for slip-ups. And what did the top three do this weekend? They all slipped up. I'm eagerly awaiting Matt's verdict on Blackburn, especially as a win would have given them a two-point lead over Wigan, who were held to a goalless draw by Rotherham. Blackburn could have been seven clear of Shrewsbury, but the gap's only five because the Shrews couldn't beat Bradford on Thursday night. What a division, eh? What a palaver. Blackpool scored twice in the last three minutes to beat Fleetwood 2-1 in a foul coast derby, which really doesn't have much of a ring to it. While Blackburn have clocked up the miles lately, playing away to Gillingham and Bristol Rovers last week and taking just two points to hand the initiative back to Wigan in the title race. And could Northampton Town pull off an unlikely survival bid? They relegated Berry with a 3-2 win at Gig Lane to fight another day. Meanwhile, Berry caretaker boss Ryan Lowe had an interesting view of his team's plight as they drop into League 2. There hasn't been one fight in my dressing room this season since I took over, said Lowe. Not one scrap. I probably had 10 or 15 in my career. It means you want to win. Is that why you hit me, Ian? <laughs> On another day, we could have scored seven or eight but we've been raided by blokes of balaclavas today. That was Steve Evans' verdict on Peterborough's demoralising 1-0 defeat at home to Rochdale. Posh are three points off the playoffs, but Rochdale are up to 21st now. They're only a point from safety. Could Plymouth or Portsmouth take advantage of Peterborough's slip? Nope, they drew 0-0. But the game of the day was at the Bescott Stadium, though, where Walsall were 2-0 up at half-time, only to end up losing 3-2 to AFC Wimbledon, thanks to an injury-time penalty from Dean Parrott. Oh, and uh, Southend lost 2-0 to Oxford. Yes. Scunthorpe earned their midweek carvery with a 1-0 win at Charlton to leapfrog the Addicts and climb back into the playoff spots, while MK Dons are circling the drain after throwing away the lead to lose 2-1 at home to Doncaster. And Tom Eves scored a last-minute penalty against his former club Oldham to leave the Latics just a point above the bottom four. All right. MK Dons then circling the drain, according to Matt. Simon, you were there. Um, they they looked in control in the first half, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. They should have been uh, two, three goals ahead, really. I thought they were playing some good, confident football. They've got some bright young players, Chuck Saneke up front and Iki Ugbo. I remember seeing at, at Chelsea at a young age in the under-18s and uh, yeah, he's got the physical presence to cope with the demands of League One football and uh, he scored the goal that put them in front. But you could just tell at half-time, within minutes of the second half beginning, that Darren Ferguson must have read the right act. They almost made it too easy for him. MK Dons in the first half and tactically you got one very inexperienced manager against one very experienced manager and as soon as he changed it up you had Tommy Rowe played a little bit deeper almost at left back at times and then James Coppinger getting on the ball a little bit more they got an early goal with a bit of luck a goalkeeping error by the, the debutant goalkeeper Vida uh, Streetska uh, the Dutchman for MK Dons and uh, and really the game turned from that point and Doncaster looked comfortable winners in a game in which they, they should have been dead and buried at half time really Matt, um, we've been looking at MK Dons after the change. Robbie Nielsen came in and uh, didn't last very long at all. Dan McKeechee came in. From the outside, I think people would just be looking at results and thinking, well, that was a bit of a disaster. But actually watching the games, to be fair to him, he's he's come with a, a clearly um, a clearly marked out style. He wants to play clever, progressive football. But every time I've seen them, it, it looks like it's been a bit too clever for them. 
a little bit soft in the centre perhaps as well and uh, I think yeah, it took him eight games to get his first win then they won three out of four and now they've lost three in a row again so there was that spell where it looked like they might just get out of it and even I, I went to the uh, Blackburn game recently uh, over the Easter weekend when we won 2-1 there but in the second half MK Dons completely dominated and it was a similar story to the weekend really where they had so many chances against Doncaster and just no one to convert them and, and Chuck Zanike great target man they love to play off him around the box but finishing a ability questionable definitely and you can see the style though he likes to push his uh, wing backs high up the pitch nice and wide and uh, and look for the overlap and uh, it does mean that they get a lot of balls into the box but but not always someone someone on the end of it and I think like Simon said Ferguson uh, adjusted his tactics in the second half to counter that and uh, MK Don struggled to get forward as much. Um, Simon you've seen a fair bit of them this season outside of Chucks and EK if they did go down um, who are the players who would be be pillaged by larger predators. I mean, you've got George Williams, who's a decent young fullback. I like Ed Upson in midfield. He's a good playmaker, plays that kind of quarterback role, pinging the passes around. So I think they're players that could get picked off as well. And, and you know, in spells, Peter Paulitz looked a decent player, but lacked the consistency, really, which probably emphasises the sort of position they're in. But they're just a strange football club, MK Dons. It's easy to have a cheap shot of them and, and to balance that. You know, I live quite locally to there. and I, So I see with my own eyes what they do in the local community. And they do do more than a lot of football clubs do within their local area but you go to the stadium and it's a Premier League stadium actually just under 9,000 supporters there but it seemed more like 2,000 to be honest with you because the atmosphere was just mute from the get-go even when they went 1-0 up and you look at the age demographic at the fans and obviously they're still trying to bring young supporters through but I look at other clubs and I'm not just talking as an Oxford fan about Oxford here but you know they had a, a huge game against South End and, and the difference in atmosphere there and that some of the other clubs I've been watching you know uh, over the course of the last few weeks when, when the stakes are high, even when they went 1-0 up, it, it, you just you just didn't get a gauge of that atmosphere and you wonder whether that transmits onto the players on the pitch a little bit because even when they were playing well, you know, there was no singing, there were no backing behind those players and walking through the bar afterwards, you know, you see one or two people laughing and joking and you think at other clubs, you know, it would be absolutely deathly silent, really. I, I just wonder, a lot of people's second team MK Dons at the minute still maybe just my take on it, uh, but sort of lacking in that kind of atmosphere. Really. Are, they the kind of, uh, are they the kind of team that could probably do with a smaller stadium? Like, I reckon like so. Plough Lane or something. Um, <laughs> why do I do oh. it to myself? <laughs> why do I do it? <laughs> Matt, can you see them uh, getting out of this? It's, it's looking tough and there seem to be teams out around them with more momentum. That's the easiest question you've asked me all season, I think. Uh, <laughs> we said a long time ago that we could see MK Dons dropping the, the way the form was going and they, they do just look like they don't don't really have the uh, the fight for, for, for some of these contests like when they went behind against Doncaster as, as soon as uh, Doncaster got the equaliser you could see the confidence drain out of MK Dons and I think that's them now Before we move on uh, Doncaster Rovers have been just slap bang in the middle of the table for pretty much all of the season haven't they is it a case of what might have been? Because they're not that far in, in points terms out of the playoffs. No, I mean, they've got some decent players, but League One's just mad this year. When you look up to, to 10th place in the table and Blackpool, only six points above Oxford, who are still talking about not being out of danger yet. And and yet, you know, they're only eight points Blackpool off the, the top six themselves. It's it's a crazy division. But I think for any team that comes up out of, of League Two, and they've never really been any real danger,
danger Doncaster this season. You know, but when you've got a marksman like Marquis out there, and I really like Tommy Rowe and James Coppinger, you know, he's, he age defies him because he's still one of their key players, really. And and you know, he's a great player to watch. Uh, you know, they're, they're a team that you could see kicking on next year as they have in previous years and pushing on towards the championship. Joe Crilly from William Hill, bottom of League One is looking very, very crowded. Um, Oxford on fifty points. I mean, you can't even be sure that they're that they're safe. Fifty points is supposed to be the marker, but I'm not sure it will be this year. Uh, what are the numbers looking like down there? Yeah, I mean, we've been saying this every uh, every week pretty much all season, but it's it's so tight at the bottom, and and just the teams that have been moving up and down uh, around that relegation line uh, all season has been uh, has, has been quite incredible. MK Dons and Northampton uh, looking uh, doomed at uh, both one to thirty three to go down. Oof. Oldham. Two to one to go down now, so they are now the uh, the, the the team who look like they will join Berry uh, and most likely MK Dons and Northampton in League Two next season. With Rochdale now climbing um, at an incredible rate uh, with all of those games in hand that they had, uh, three to one, uh, which puts them above Walsall in the betting at nine to four. All right, when we come back, League Two. League two then. Luton Town are just three points away from a return to the third division. They were 1-0 down at home to Crewe on Saturday, but if there's one thing you can count on with this team, it's goals. In front of nearly 10,000 fans, they hit home goals numbers 57, 58 and 59 to run out 3-1 winners. Wickham are just about hanging on to third place, though their manager Gareth Ainsworth admitted that the chairboys were lucky to beat Yeovil 1-0. They are four points ahead of fourth place Notts County. At the other end of the table, Port Vale are a point or a barnet slip from safety because they beat Checker Trade Trophy winners Lincoln 1-0. Ian stole my line, but I'll say it again. Accrington had to keep the milkshakes on ice after a 1-1 draw with Exeter, but they could go up tonight with a win at home to Yeovil. At the other end of the table, Forest Green had Christian Deutsch to thank as the big striker secured a vital 1-0 win at Cheltenham. And we've been backing Chesterfield to get out of trouble all season, but a 1-0 defeat to Mansfield has left them with it all to do in the last five games. Keith Curl has refused to write off Carlisle's playoff hopes after they were held to a one-all draw by Morecambe. The Cumbrians are six points off seventh with three games to go, so it's still possible. Uh, Swindon boss Phil Brown called his team's performance disgusting as they went down 2-1 at Newport, but they're still within sight of the playoffs too. And big bad Barry Kaur hit his first goals in over a year, bagging a brace as Cambridge beat Stevenage 2-0. Notts County kept the pressure on Wickham in the race for third with a 3-1 win at Colchester, while Coventry held onto their playoffs place with a 2-0 win over Harry Kuehl's Crawley Town. And neither Grimsby nor Barnett could find the win they desperately required at Blundell Park, playing out a 2-2 draw to give Chesterfield hope with their two games in hand. Accrington Stanley then. Uh, on Sunday night at the EFL Awards, um, the, the, the head of the EFL presented um, Andy Holt, the Accrington Stanley chairman, with uh, a Big Mac meal, which which I just looking at his face when that was happening, I'm not sure that he really thought it was that funny. It was great banter, Ian. <laughs> I think it was a bit like you've, you've dragged us through publicly and now you're presenting me with a McDonald's meal. I, I'm not sure that one went down so well. No, he did tweet Andy Holt saying that, that he enjoyed it, but uh, sometimes when I think people say they enjoyed a joke, it means they probably didn't enjoy yeah. the joke. 
<laughs> well, he probably didn't enjoy Saturday very much, did he? Nice link. Um, Simon, They all they had to do was beat Exeter. They did not beat Exeter. What happened? A one-all draw, as you say, all they had to do, beat Exeter. But let's not forget, this is an Exeter side on the cusp of those automatics pushing for them as well. So it was a pretty difficult fixture. And as so often happens in football, Jaden Stockley, the former Accrington player, came um, back and scored against his old club. They got it back to 1-1 and had uh, chances to win the game, but it wasn't to be. But I think it's a matter of when rather than if they go up, isn't it now, really? They were a bit flat, I thought, Matt. They were a bit flat. I think the sense of occasion perhaps got to them. They were getting uh, goodwill messages all day on social media or all, all throughout Friday and Saturday morning. I saw, I saw Blackburn tweeted them, uh, obviously local neighbours, and uh, and they've been in this situation before. In 2015-16, uh, they had Stevenage at home on the last day. That was perhaps even more of a pressure cooker situation, and uh, they drew nil-nil, couldn't find that goal, and uh, that meant they didn't go up automatically and dropped into the playoffs. So it was another nervy performance, and I thought Accrington went a little bit more direct than they usually do at home, and uh, Exeter did well to, to close, them, uh, close them down and deny them space and time. We've spoken a lot about Billy Key this season, uh, 22 goals. Uh, he's had a fantastic year. Uh, but his strike partner, Caden Jackson, uh, scored goal number 15. And it's a really good strike. The technique of getting around the ball, I was well impressed with that. What kind of a player is he? I do like Caden Jackson a lot, actually. They, they snapped him up uh, from Barnsley in the summer and uh, another freebie for John Coleman that's worked out really well. And uh, he's, he's quite a, a nice little technical player. He often plays just behind Key, actually. They can both interchange, really, because Key can drop into that sort of attacking playmaker sort of role as well. And uh, he's got great movement, as you saw with his finish at the weekend, which I think was his 15th goal of the season. He, he can use both feet, the way he shifted the ball with his left, finished with his right. And uh, I think he's someone that will do really well for Accrington when they go up next season. Found a mad statistic that sort of uh, really belies their position in the table. That they've uh, Accrington have got the joint fewest goal scorers in their team, alongside Barnet, who are second from bottom in the entire division. Only only ten different players in their squad have found the back of the net this year, which again emphasises the fact that they've relied on such a small squad this year. But week in week out, keep keep doing the business. Only failed to score in four league games this season. That'll do, won't it? That'll do. A big crowd as well, um, over 3,000, which is uh, probably about, what, 50% more than they've had the rest of the season? So they're obviously, you know, they're they're never going to have a huge catchment area there, you suspect, but they've obviously energised pretty much everybody. No, they're squeezed out a little bit by Blackburn and Burnley in the same area, but uh, it's good to see that they had that many people there. And I think also with Blackburn playing away at Bristol, we've probably had a few Rovers fans that see Accrington as a second team, and I'm sure that they'll have another good attendance tonight against Yeovil as they, they look to get over the line. Yeah, they, they look a lot of fun, don't they? They've got great team spirit, they've got a manager who's seen it all and done it all, and they've had an incredible year. How will they get on in League One if they do go up and we're not hexing them horribly? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because I don't think, by the way, that Blackburn won't go up. But imagine if they didn't and you'd have Blackburn Accrington playing a league fixture against each other. Like I say, I don't think that will happen. But you could have, you know, very easily Sunderland uh, travelling to Accrington next season. And I, I think, speak to many a player, uh, they'll tell you that they're the worst dressing rooms in the Football League. <laughs> you know, it's a terrible, tight, compact ground for visitors in the way teams to visit I've not actually been there actually but I mean you know it's the kind of salt of the earth ground that I love and I think you know that could very easily humble a few of the uh, egos that might be going there next year bear in mind you've got players in the Sunderland squad who are on £70,000 a week that means that when the Sunderland team come over one of their players could literally buy a house with a week's wages outside the stadium and they could get changed there 
I think Roy Hodgson did this actually in a cup match. I think he was Fulham manager and he took one look at the changing rooms and then decided they were all going back to the hotel, <laughs> getting changed there, doing a bit of a warm up on the forecourt and then they'd head to the ground. Um, let's have a look at Exeter um, because we, I think we had them on the very first show, didn't we? Um, they were f- absolutely flying, flying for a lot of the early stages of the season and then they've sort of drifted out of the top three. What do we make of them right now? They've been probably one of the most inconsistent sides in that promotion battle where they'll they'll win a couple and then they'll lose a couple and their away form has been pretty decent now. That's held up throughout the season and uh, so it's no surprise to see him go to Accrington and, and get a point there. But Jaden Stockley's been brilliant for them because obviously came in the summer and uh, Ruben Reid was banging in the goals last season. He left for Forest Green halfway through this campaign after not really being able to carry on his form and Stockley's got 21 strikes so far and I think whenever everyone talks about the best players in League 2 this season, he's have been left out of that conversation a little bit but showed again at the weekend that he's a great finisher Simon what do you make of Exeter um, the manager's been there a fair while now hasn't he yeah the irony is that you go back to November 2016 and supporters were trying to get him out he had this rolling contract didn't he where you had to give 12 months notice and they were towards the bottom if not the bottom of the table at the time and ever since that they got through to the playoff final last year on that remarkable back end of the season run and and have kept that momentum going this year and he's a manager who uh, by and large maybe not to the same extreme as Accrington but works on a very tight budget at Exeter City this year for for the first time in over a decade, they actually spent money to bring Jaden Stockley in, which was obviously a good bit of business for them. But again, you know, a club with a much smaller budget than many of those teams around them. But like Accrington, you know, it's it's not a one hit wonder. You know, for, for years, they've been knocking on the door of League One. Well, and they, they could go up this year. They are in the playoff places. It's all getting a bit tight. Personally, my bet for the playoffs is a team who aren't even in the places at the moment. I think Lincoln will probably do it. Um, just that sense of occasion, the set, set pieces, and also that I'm trying to make up for last week. Joe Crilly from William Hill, though, is the man with all the numbers. Joe, first of all, Exeter to get promoted. OK, so Exeter are 5-2 to two to get promoted. Uh, and interestingly that you mention Lincoln... Uh, because despite the fact that they aren't in the playoffs, they are 13-5 to just behind Exeter in the betting and ahead of Coventry, Mansfield and then the less likely teams of Swindon and Carlisle. What are Carlisle's odds? Because Keith Curl was being very upbeat about everything. Uh, 100-1. to <laughs> Probably probably too upbeat then. While we've got you here, Joe, let's have a look at this week's televised games. We have... Quite a big one for Matt on Thursday night with a Blackburn against Peterborough. Uh, all these games are on Sky, obviously. Blackburn against Peterborough, what's that looking like? Uh, yeah, Blackburn favourites to win this one, no surprise there. Uh, one to two odds on, so you're not going to get rich by backing them. Um, Peterborough eleven to two with the draw sixteen to five. I am absolutely fascinated to see what happens on Friday when Millwall play Fulham, because there is a clash of styles. Um, there is a team, Fulham, who've been magnificent this season, but what a place to go at this stage of the campaign. Yeah, big time. This will be a great one to watch. Uh, Millwall outsiders to win this, just a shade above 2-1. to one. Uh, Fulham 6-5, to five, so just above evens in the draw. 5-2, to two, but I would not be backing against Millwall at this stage in the season. Absolutely not. Um, Saturday night, uh, you've got Cardiff against Nottingham Forest. I said earlier, this is an absolute banker home win. Yeah, uh, I think everybody did, didn't they, on the, on the fan league? And Cardiff are uh, just a shade above 1-2 to two to win. 11-20 to 20 for Cardiff to win. Forest, who've got absolutely nothing to play for, 5-1 uh, to one and the draw 3-1. to one. 
Lovely stuff. You get all those odds at William Hill. Now, before we get on to your questions, I just want to tell you about something Wigan fans are up to. Uh, over 100 Wigan fans are walking 32 miles from the club's training ground to Fleetwood Town on the 20th and 21st of April in aid of Joseph's Goal, a local charity. Joseph Kendrick is eight years old and suffers from an incredibly rare genetic disorder called NKH and funds are much needed to fund critical research into finding better treatment and eventually a cure. His parents were told at birth that Joseph wouldn't survive more than a few days. The little man's a fighter and he turns nine in May. He was the club's lucky mascot for the FA Cup final in 2013 and he'll be pushed over the finishing line by FA Cup winning captain Emerson Boyce. Along with Emerson Boyce and over 100 fans of both Wigan and Fleetwood, the walk is also being completed by Wigan chairman David Sharp, Chief Executive Jonathan Jackson, Fleetwood Town CEO Steve Kerwood and international Paralympic footballer David Clark. Fundraising has already hit £12,000 of a week to go. The organisers are hopeful of reaching £20,000. Um, if anyone wants to contribute, Google Joseph's goal or find a friend of the show Barca Jim on Twitter. That's B-A-R-C-A-J-I-M, Barca Jim on Twitter. Um, all of the links there. Great charity and good luck to everyone involved. Let's go to your questions. You can send these in on Twitter or on Facebook or by smearing them in your own effluence and posting them through the door late at night when the security guard's on his break. Stephen Holland didn't do that. He just used Twitter. He said, if Villa were to go up and John Terry stayed, which he's indicated he might, how effective do you think he'd be in the Premier League now? Matt, you watch a lot of Premier League football as well. I think he'd be excellent. Yeah, he's been really solid for Villa and uh, he's been a leader for them when they've needed and I think he has a good partnership with Chester and I think that Villa would be would be very solid in a bottom half of the table that's been pretty abysmal this year in the Premier League. Uh, Andy on Twitter and the Buffet Bowler on Twitter, both sort of asking similar questions. Uh, let's start with Andy. When you factor in budget, who's the most overperforming manager in each division? Simon, um, no contest in the championship really, is there? Neil Harris, I, I take it you mean? Yeah, I think so. He, he's by and large kept pretty much the same squad that he had uh, last year with one or two additions and uh, they're looking uh, like they're charging into those playoff places in the championship. But I probably over the three divisions go for uh, Paul Hurst at Shrewsbury. I know people talk a lot about uh, John Coleman at Accrington, but they've been building their squad over a period of time the Shrewsbury team stayed up by the skin of their teeth last season and competing with the likes of Blackburn and Wigan and the sort of budgets they've got to still be on their coattails with, what, three, four games to go. I think uh, with the, the budget that he's got there and the players he's cobbled together uh, probably gives him the nod for me. Buffet Bowler says, who's the best young manager in the third or fourth division that Ipswich Town can nick, Matt? Paul Hurst? It's got to be Paul Hurst, hasn't it? I, th I think the, the Cowleys have been linked and we saw them actually at the EFL Awards the other night on stage and they speak really well and you can see how they would be leaders in a dressing room. Even the uh, lesser spotted Nicky Cowley uh, got his chance to say a few words and uh, yeah, they're very convincing managers but I think probably Paul Hurst would be a, a better fit. I'll tell you who does deserve some credit that won't get it from anywhere else and that's Mike Flynn at Newport who took over um, when Newport were basically done. They were relegated. Um, somehow kept them up. Actually had them in the playoffs for the first half of the season and they're now very, very comfortably mid-table. He's uh, What a first full season he's had. Is that a bit similar to Neil Harris perhaps because he's a Newport boy, isn't he? And uh, It's what everyone says about Neil Harris. How would he perform were he not in that Millwall family that he's been in throughout pretty much his whole career? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always think that a player like that going into management, they always get you know the advantage of a bit of time. We see it with Chris Powell at Southend as well. Um, but if you're still doing it a year on, a year and a half in, there's obviously something about them. Uh, thank you so much for those questions. Keep sending them in. And that is just about all the time we've got for. An assured debut by Simon Watts. Thank you. Yeah, six out of ten, I'd give it three <laughs> stars in the, the match ratings. You're so hard on yourself. You're at least a seven. <laughs> Matt Stanger. Solid four out of ten. <laughs> Season best performance. <laughs> Joe Crilly, thank you so much. Thank you. Social Paul behind the scenes, thank you. Producer Toe, thank you. And thank you, dear listener. And we will see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Game of Our Lives is a new podcast series hosted by the football historian David Goldblatt. It tackles themes like human nature, globalisation and geopolitics through the prism of the beautiful game. This week Goldblatt heads to Liverpool to explore the relationship in the city between football and politics and assesses the tensions between the money sloshing around the Premier League and the ordinary fans who are increasingly being priced out of the game they love. Football's a global game now and with that comes vast riches. How do we make it affordable, but also how do we make it fair? If you want to learn more about why football matters, make sure you listen to Game of Our Lives on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Game of Our Lives podcast with David Goldblatt. Subscribe now.